everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Real Romance. How are you doing tonight, Brittany? I'm doing good. How are you? I am ready to talk about some awesome shows that we watched. As always, I am Robert, also known as Banting Bob, and my lovely wife, Brittany, are here to talk about some really fun stuff we streamed this month. What are we calling this one? Couch Potato. Couch Potato. I know y'all chose it, but damn it, I, I really kind of liked some of the other options we had. There's so many weird names out there, you just kind of have to roll with it, right? Well, we can always rename it next season. Besides, I like potatoes. We are, You are a potato. Potatoes are the food of my people. You are what you eat. You're a potato. We had a really interesting mix of shows this time around. We finished off a few shows as well as started a couple. So it's going to be really nice kind of seeing how things go throughout the next month and how the different shows pan out. On this episode, we're going to cover Murder Among the Mormons, Solar Opposites on Hulu, Marriage or Mortgage, The Lost Pirate Kingdom, and then we're going to finish off with the first couple episodes of Invincible on Amazon Prime and Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. Jumping right off. So Murder Among the Mormons is a three-part documentary series about this kind of... Uh, it was an event, but it was a whole series of things that led up to a couple bombings in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Back in, like, what, the 80s? Something like that. And basically, what happened was there was this guy named Mark, and he sold historical documents to the church. And some of them seemed like that they contradicted the founding of the church. Right. Now, for those of you who need some background, the LDS church was founded in the uh, early 1800s, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, it was founded in New York, but then uh, a lot of the people who studied the Latter-day Saints, they moved out to Utah... And that was essentially their promised land, where they set up and did all their uh, stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that was the main place where Mormons congregate. And even though there's plenty of documentation and uh, history in the church, people are always finding new things that support the findings of Joseph Smith and right. Brigham Young. And for reference, I grew up in the church, so I, I was a little bit more familiar with it than Robert was. It does a pretty good job of explaining like what they're talking about, what they're referencing and stuff. I mean, obviously, if you just want to do a quick Google search on anything you're confused about, I think you'll pretty much get everything that they're talking about. Right, but Mormonism really leans heavily into history and and uh, genealogy and really tying into the greater history of the people who founded Mormonism. So when you find a new document, it's like, wow, like the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. Like, they're really into it. And so uh, this guy, Mark Hoffman, he would keep finding all this really cool stuff. Lost letters and documents. And apparently he had, like, the very first thing that was printed in the U.S. Like the document of the free man or something like that. Yeah, some, like, some government. Like, not Mormon-related. Yeah, it was just a really, really old printed document from the U.S. So, did he? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, he had, he had such really cool stuff. You know, it kind of makes people wonder if it's even real. And so the Mormon church, they were skeptical, to say the least. Yeah, but then they had somebody investigate and say they were real, but then there were other people that said they weren't. And it was basically a whole thing, and it's kind of a controversy because, like, no one was sure, and then some people died. No, because Mark found a document a couple years earlier that completely contradicted the church. Right. It said that... did he find it? Instead of an angel coming and telling Joseph Smith where the... Uh, where the golden plates were, it was a white salamander. And it just blew everyone's mind. Probably no. It, it's fake. Like, there was a... What? He was really into forgery. Like, he found some genuine stuff, 
But overall, I don't I don't know if he just liked it. He seemed like he was genuinely into forging stuff. He's just a really, really good at it. He was really good at it. I just think, like, what in you is like, you know what would be funny? If I forged a letter and said that their religious doctrine was wrong because it was actually a salamander. Why salamander? Because it's just weird enough to be believable. Is it? I feel like I would have picked, like, I don't know, like... A moose? Like, what do you... What, what is more believable than a polar a salamander? bear is what I would have picked. In North America? It was a giant white salamander, Robert, and you're worried about it because it's in North America? It's, it, it's all about... Polar bears live in North America, doofus. Much norther than this. Much norther than that. Well, it's, it's a... It's a fucking mystical animal, Robert. So why couldn't it be a salamander? Because, I don't know, I just feel like they're not very regal. Have you ever seen one? Mm, true. <laughs> I don't know, the salamander in Frozen 2 was pretty awesome. He was tiny. But, and that's another thing. It's like, Mark was a member of the church. A very, very active member of the LDS community. He was community. born into it, I think. Yeah, he went on his mission, he married into it, he had like, what, like five kids or something? I don't know. Like, he was a quintessential... Mormon man, an elder in the church, all that stuff. To think that someone like that would just be making shit up. This guy was crazy. Yeah, he he was also well respected among his uh, friends and colleagues. Like, you know who I felt he bad made for? The news. That guy that like Mark told they were gonna make all this money back, and then all that stuff went down, mm -hmm. and he had to sell his whole like. He had coin, like a coin shop, yeah. He had to sell his whole coins collection because he'd funded Mark and he trusted him. I felt bad for him, because he really didn't do anything wrong. He just was like, oh, this is a money-making opportunity, and I'm going to invest some money. And right. I felt bad for him. Right, so, you know, there's all this stuff, and he's about to sell these files. And what documents were they called? I forget the name of them. But there was a, supposedly a whole file full of documents from one of the earliest founders of the church. And, Martin Harris. Yeah, and he was going to sell them for a ton of money. Like, he said like, four hundred and some thousand dollars Yeah, and he was going to sell it directly to the church. And there was a huge thing, but as a forger, he just didn't have all the all the wherewithal. He didn't have the documents because they didn't exist yet. And so, rather than, you know, say the jig is up and admit that he's been lying this whole time, he decides to go off and kill everybody. That was involved. Right, and so there was a... Right, some one of the buyers and someone who was a part of the legal team. I think one of the people who studied the documents. the documents. He ended up accidentally killing his wife. Um, it was rather unfortunate. But the last bomb that went off was there were two bombs in one day, and the next day a third bomb went off, and it was Mark Hoffman's car, and he nearly died. Like he he was very close to death. A bomb seems like very impractical. Because there's so many things that can go wrong with a bomb. But a bomb is also very impersonal. So it's like you can't be caught at the scene of the crime if you just drop a bomb somewhere and then you, you scoot. You get out of there and then when it goes off, you're, you know, five miles away and that's your alibi. Like, I... Pfft. You know there's a fun conspiracy... I, I don't know if fun is the word. <laughs> but a conspiracy theory that the Unabomber was also the Zodiac Killer. Really? Yeah, they kind of look similar, so it kind of makes sense. But I just don't think that's... I don't think that there holds water. Yeah. So we find out throughout the series is that everyone's coming to Mark's aid because it, there's no way it could be him first of all because he was targeted, right? He was the one who was bombed. So why would he do it? Turns off it went off on him on accident. No, he was trying to kill himself. Uh, he wasn't taking it somewhere. No, he was trying to kill himself. Hmm. <laughs> Jokes on him. Oh, and and one of the members of the church like sees him and like blesses him and he's like. 
Lord, you're, you're going to make sure that this man keeps life. And he ends up like... Living. Living. And God. so it's like, Jesus Jesus did it. It's and like... Mark mm. has the worst voice, too. <laughs> he sounds, he's, I thought he was a woman. He And it's not even like a good woman's voice. It just like sounds kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. It's high-pitched and kind of annoying. And, I, and Robert was like, who's talking? I was like, that's Mark. And I'm like, no. There's no way. Mark is a dude. You don't have to have, like, a really low voice. Like, you're not like James Earl Jones, but th- there's a certain inflection. It's not even voice. just, like, the, the voice itself. It's the way he talks. Yeah. It doesn't even sound like a high-pitched guy. It just sounds like... It sounds awful. His like, voice is just annoying. But anyway, it, it was a good documentary series, and if you have any interest in learning about, like, some scandal in the church, I think it's worth checking out. And mm-hmm. it's only three parts, and they're only, like, 45 minutes apiece. Right, so it's a nice uh, it's a nice little watch for people who are interested in murder and or Mormonism. The next one is completely different, and that would be uh, Solar Opposites on Hulu. So it's from the creators of Rick and Morty. Which and we know is an awesome show. It's a cartoon about these aliens who came from another planet. Their planet blew up, and they've escaped the planet with the two adults, two replicants... And a pupa. Yeah, the, the replicants are essentially children, even though they're not by birth. They're more like clones. Mm-hmm. And then the pupa is this weird, like, gushy... Yellow thing. Alien baby thing. And he's gonna one day evolve to blow up the world. Right, but we don't really know that until, like, the very end. We don't really know the purpose of the pupa. Yeah, it says it at the beginning, in the first episode. In the very first episode? Mm-hmm. I must have missed it around all the crazy shit that's happening. It's, it's really crazy. So they basically, they live in a neighborhood, and when you meet them, they've already been established in this neighborhood. Nobody's, like, freaking out super bad that they're aliens. They're just kind of like, well, they live here it, now. Which is weird. It's like, they've just assimilated like it was no big deal, and there's a big giant spaceship crashed into the roof of this house, and they're just living there. Whatever. I like it. Uh, and they really have no regards for human life. Like, they kill a lot of people every few episodes. Oh, yeah. And... There's a really excellent subplot where the son, because he takes the form of a boy, like, technically they're not boys or girls, but he takes the form of a boy, and he shrinks humans down and puts them in the wall. Right, not children, because people notice when children are missing, he just shrinks all, anybody who does something mildly annoying, he'll just shrink them and put them into his... His terrarium wall of, of tiny people. Like, one of the guys said that he farted in an elevator and blamed it on him, and then he shrunk him down and put him in the wall. Mm-hmm. And so there's this huge subplot about the, the social hierarchy there, and it's kind of like a uh, an Escape from New York type thing, or a Mad Max, like, every man for himself. It's excellent. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. The story itself is Corvo and Terry... And Corvo is the one who really wants to get the ship fixed and everything, mm-hmm. and he's the brains, really. Yeah, but you know, he's, like, meanwhile, annoying. Terry is the one who's more fun-loving and kind of stupid. He likes pop culture. But he is the one who's supposed to be taking care of the pupa. All hell breaks loose every episode, and it's just so much fun to watch. There's a lot of guest stars. And it is, it's offensive. I'm not gonna lie. There are... Oh, was it? There's some... Pretty offensive stuff in here. There's sex. There's a lot of gore and death. Oh, I thought you drug meant... Drug use. I thought you meant, like... That's not the kind of offensive I thought you meant. I thought you meant, like, offensive jokes and stuff. I mean, there, there's a couple offensive jokes. But most of it's pretty... Like, they do a whole episode on, like, sex... Like, sexism and mm-hmm. stuff. And it was actually really good. There, 
uh, Yumulak, the son, is like, no, nah, I'm not going to be involved in this. And it was really funny. I really like it. I, it's actually really meta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it pokes fun at the fact that it's a Hulu show and that uh, comedy writers are, you know, making it the same people who voice Rick and Morty voice Corvo. And same people. It's one guy. Wait, does, do they voice Corvo and Terry or just Corvo? Just Corvo. Thomas Middleditch uh, voices Corvo. Oh, that, oh, that's even better. Yeah. I love that. Tom Middleditch is so funny. And uh, Adam from the Goldbergs, he he voices... Uh, Yamilak. And who, who voices the girl? I know we know who she is. Her name is Mary Mack. Let me see a picture. Yeah, you've seen her in things. Oh, yeah. But I'm just trying to think of some of the best subplots, like things that happen. I like, liked the wife, the man cave episode. Mm. That was really funny. We, now, we, for reference, we just watched season one. Right, season two just dropped on Hulu. And we will be watching season two. Right, but season one, we watched all eight episodes in like two, two or three th- days. Yeah. And it was really fun. But yeah, the Man Cave episode is great. Uh, the Goobler episode was great. Essentially, when they get really stressed out, they sweat out little tiny... People. Like, things. things. And apparently the pupil loves eating them. But every so often, like, there's a, a giant red Goobler, and they're like much more chaotic... And malicious, and so there's a whole episode about the Goobler. I foresee this being a lot like uh, Rick and Morty, like in that there will be lots of guest stars and lots of new, new and reoccurring characters, and it's really fun. If you like Rick and Morty, but you're looking for something a little less, Rick is a little abrasive, and their family dynamic is not as good. This is a very different family. Um, they all care about each other a little bit more, mm-hmm. and I I think that really works. It's not just about Terry and Corvo. Like, the two kids definitely have side plots, and then they all have plots together. I, I like this a little better, almost, I think. No, I, I like how outlandish and weird Rick and Morty is. This is a bit more grounded, which is ironic. Mm-hmm, but it's like aliens. Exactly, but it's all, like, very Earth-centric, for the most part. Right? Rick and Morty's like, we're going to this new planet, this new universe, and we're going to meet all this new shit. Well, I mean, their spaceship is broken. I assume at some point they'll fix their spaceship and go somewhere else. This is predominantly about these particular aliens and what they have to go through to try to make sure that the end of the world goes smoothly. But I would say out of the shows, the new shows we started, I would definitely check this one out. Oh, this is hilarious. It's really great. Another show we watched, uh, also very different... It's called Marriage or Mortgage, mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It is. It's like HGTV, just like shot in a blender. Yeah. Okay. And put so, it on Netflix. So it's on Netflix, and basically they have a couple for each episode, and they go to these. There's a real estate agent and a wedding planner, and the real estate agent tries to find their dream home, and the wedding planner tries to plan their dream wedding. And then at the end of the episode, they have to pick which one they want. Because they only have enough money to spend on one. Right. Now, and a lot of times it'll be like, well, we have twenty-five or 30000 to put down on a house versus to put toward a wedding. And But it'll always say, even though it's like this, how, this much down, they have X amount that they've been pre-approved for yeah. by the bank. They have to get pre-approved mortgage-wise for the show. And there's all sorts of couples, right? There's couples that are fairly new, ones that have been together for years and years, ones with families... Uh, you know what I was kind of disappointed? Hmm. There were only lesbian couples and no gay guys. No, I hope if they make a season two, there's there's some really strong gay guy 
couples. Yeah, like, gay guy weddings are so fun. Like, yeah. they're different. Like, lesbian weddings are, are cool, but, like, I feel like gay guy weddings are just, like, they're another thing. And I don't want to be, like, you know, stereotypical about it, but the two lesbian couples, there was the one older lesbian couple who was very much like, you know, your typical butch, whatever, they love farming, they're very, you know, together, but they're older well, and they're, like, well, 40 I don't know, the 50s. one lady was, like, a preacher, which mm. was kind of odd. Yeah, it, it was a little different. But then the other one, they were young and fun and nurses and almost like when you think of like, ooh, they're lesbians. <laughs> like, that's what you would think of, right? So there's not like also, anything out of a stereotype. Now, there. this show is a little tone deaf for what everyone's going through. So you kind of have to ignore that. <laughs> uh, but, which, I mean, it sucks. Because we're both sitting there like, damn, we wish we had money to put down on a house. Damn, we wish we had that amount of money to just have in the bank. And it, so at times it did definitely make us sad. And I'm like, you're going to spend $4,000 on donut holes? Are you shitting me? No, some of the things that they had for their weddings, I was like, really? Really? You're really going to spend that? But... No, if you want a, a horse-drawn carriage, I get that. If you want a five-tier cake, yes, that's normal. But if you want, like... The one a, lady, a neon dance floor? That one lady wanted a ranch fountain. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, for sure. That sounds disgusting. And not like a fountain in a ranch. Like, ranch dressing flowing like a fondue, and then you just take all your things and you run it under the fountain and then eat it. Okay, see... Yeah, I like ranch, but that's gross. Here's where chocolate fountains work different, because the chocolate hardens on the food, so you can dip, you dip all your stuff in there and then put it on your plate... And it's hard, you know? Yeah. But that doesn't happen with ranch. It's going to make a huge-ass mess. There'll be a lot of double-dipping things, too, like... No. No, imagine you dip it in. You only get to stand at the fountain so long, you're not standing there eating. Anyway, at the end of each episode, not only do they have to pick, but the, basically the real estate agent and the wedding planner come to them, and they're like, you know how you wanted this but couldn't afford it? Well, I got this for you, and they're going to throw this in for free. Yeah, they say sweeten the pot, like, every episode. What was it? Wasn't it the one lady? And, like, so she, they wanted this house, but they didn't like the appliances. And the lady was like, well, I got them to throw in a $12,000 appliance budget so you can get whatever appliances you want. And they didn't go with house. Yeah, no. I, I counted through it. There's ten episodes. Six of them, they chose marriage. Only four of them, they chose house. And who, who was like, you know what, this is my dream home, and the only problem is the appliances are old. But then they're like, okay, well, we'll throw in the appliances for free. And Then you still say no. You still say no? No, okay. I understand, like, we're married, and we have been for some time. If we'd been in a position to have an amazing wedding where everything that we wanted would be possible, that'd be awesome. But would you sacrifice that for a house? Yeah. At the time, for sure. I mean, it, at this point in our life, definitely house. Well... So I guess it's all about perspective. My point is, is that some of them were like, they don't know where they're going to live after. Like, some of them made sense when they chose wedding, because it's like they have a place, it's just not perfect. Okay, you stay in it for a few more years. But some of them didn't have a place to live after they got married. The one couple didn't have... Like, they were living with their parents. Yeah. But they seemed like they were kind of stuck up and rich. So, like, you, you think living with your parents, oh, you know, they're in the basement. No, they probably had their own, like, ensuite. Yeah. Like, the, the kind of money they were throwing around, they seemed really pretentious. I do have to say my least favorite couple 
was these people that they were really active in their church. And it's not because they're active in their church. It's because that they were waiting. And that's fine. Except that they moved in together. No, it's not that they just moved in and, together. They yeah. were already living together. That's what, No, I mean, they, they had moved in together. Yeah. This is the part I don't like. At the end of the night, he would leave their house where he paid money and had all his stuff and go down the street or somewhere to stay with his friends on their couch. So he's taking advantage of someone's hospitality for months on end. Just because so, he can't control his his uh, manly wiles. What the hell is that? Why did you even move in together? I understand waiting till marriage. I do. That's fine. No judgment. But that is just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then they were going to buy a house, and he was going to sleep at an... And she was going to sleep at someone else's house. Right, so they put down all this money on a house, and then she's still not going to live there because they're not married yet. It's like, I'm sorry. Invest in a chastity belt, or they a have, padlock, or they, something. They had multiple bedrooms. Yeah. I understand not sleeping in the same room. But they had, like, a three-bedroom house. Just sleep in another room. That seems stupid. Hell, set up a tent. You're in Nashville. The weather isn't that bad. I'm set up a tent in your giant backyard and go camping. I'm sorry, but if someone, if one of our friends, was like, Hey, I'm moving in with my boyfriend, but I need to sleep on your couch because we're not sleeping together. I would be like, why are you moving in then? Just keep your separate places. I, I'm not judging what their choices are. I just think that's dumb. I, I will say, though... The very last episode was really touching for me. It was really B- Because sweet. this guy, he lost his leg in uh, in war. He was in the Marines. And then he met this singer, and they were they had a wonderful time. And so they wanted a, a one-story house that was accessible. And there was a really, really nice house, but it had just gone on the market. There were multiple offers. And you find out later that they didn't they didn't get an offer or a counteroffer. So they ended up going with the wedding, which, granted, was beautiful, right? It was a lot right. of great stuff on the wedding. They just weren't really into the other house, which, that's fair. Don't buy a house you don't like. Right. If you're not given a solid choice, then go with what you'll want. But then, at the very end, like, the next day, they find out the seller read their story. And was really touched. And so they ended up giving it to them at at, at the- cost, right? They put it on the market for two fifty seven and change uh-huh. and they counted it like 260 and something and they're like no we'll give it to you for what we were originally going to sell it because one of those you know thank you for your service kind of thing yeah they were really touched by their story and that to me it just really hit me because it's like have you ever been told man something something you really wanted just isn't going to work out and it and, doesn't matter what you did right it's heartbreaking and it's not in your control but to have them go and be like just kidding you got the thing i'm waiting on job offers We've been turned down for things a lot. If someone told me I didn't get it, and then, like, the next day they're like, hey, I pulled some strings and you got it, I would cry so hard. It'd be a dream come true. Right. For sure. So if any of you are hiring engineers, give us a call. (laughs) Uh, I don't think it works that way. You gotta hustle everywhere, babe. Hustle, hustle, hustle. I don't think I'm too fat to hustle. Gotta make that brand. So the next show we watched was kind of like a mixture between a documentary and a reenactment of the history of uh, piracy in the Bahamas back in the 1700s. The show is called The Lost Pirate Kingdom. You can find it on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It's a six-part limited series, and it kind of goes through the whole 
story of piracy at the end of the 17th century into the 18th century, where outlaws were everywhere, and the East India Company... We didn't really talk about the East India no, Trading you Company. Just, you're, you're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, honey. Sorry. It's such a good movie. So basically, it talks about how after the end of this war, um, at in the early 1700s, um, the British people essentially leave the colonists in the Bahamas and in that area, Jamaica and whatnot, to hung out to dry. Right. They were all of these private navy vessels, basically, and then no, now they no longer have a job. Their thought is, well, let's you know steal from merchant vessels. So they start off stealing from the like the French and the Spanish, um, and because they were at war at the time. And basically, they start off. I forget the one guy's name, but then there's Hornigold, the other one, the the plantation guy. There's a lot. There's a lot of different names, and they're historical figures. We can't remember them we'll, all. We'll call him Rich White Guy Number One. <laughs> um, and they start off being pirates and stealing from different vessels, but they won't steal from the English because those are their like home. That's their home country, and they're like, well, if we don't steal from the English. They'll right, leave. they're kind of doing them a favor by, like, taking out the French and the Spanish, but not the English. So they're giving them an unfair advantage by not being pirated. And right? uh, Black Sam becomes a pirate name, and he basically went into piracy um, in order to marry his lady back home. I think mm-hmm. her name was Mary. Um, and she came from a wealthy family who did not want her to marry this poor dude. So he was like, well, I'll just you know, get a bunch of money being a pirate and come home and get her and then we'll go on our merry way, I guess. Except they, except he doesn't. He ends up dying in a crash. Yeah, and it takes out a lot of really notorious pirates and pirates. whatnot. And so she, he never comes home. She, meanwhile, not only gives birth to a bastard child, but then the child dies and so she's accused of killing it, essentially, and then thrown out of the colony and she goes mad. Right. And so it kind of goes into the whole development of this, the pirate republic, where they create their own sort of democracy within piracy on the island of Nassau. They have their pirate code, obviously, but it is a much more democratic way of running things than we had in those governments. This is pre-America. So the idea of everyone voting on their captain... They divvy up their loot equally Equally. among all of the crew members with the captain taking a slightly higher cut sometimes. I think basically what happens is they donate part of theirs to the captain for being a good captain. Right. Essentially, at any point, though, if the crew doesn't trust you anymore, they can vote you out as captain or leave your, you know, ship and go to another pirate crew. Right, because there's no... They're not enslaved. They're not indentured to a particular captain or a particular ship. They're free agents. All of them are free agents. And this, the I think the highlight of this series was really how Edward Teach, well, I guess they call him, uh, his name, his real Thatch. name is Thatch. But I think Teach was something, I don't know if it's just a misnomer or a nickname or yeah, what. Yeah, I always learned it as Edward Teach. But. but Blackbeard. And this is really about how he became a pirate, why he became the kind way kind he like was. A, almost like a legend of piracy. Like, he was a real person, but much like uh, Vlad the Impaler or, um, you know, someone like that, he is more than just a pirate. He's kind of a quintessential I character. Think the most interesting part about him is that 
he really wasn't that into violence. And until his later days, he was actually a pretty decent man. He would free slaves. That That's really when the English started getting pissed. Is basically pirates started uh, raiding slave ships. No, and treating them as equals. Not like taking them as slaves on their own. They treated them as equal parts of the crew. Well, slave ships were big and they were useful. And you could really hold a lot of men. And therefore you could dominate the seas because they were also very fast. So stealing a slave ship was quite the and plus it, it's kind of you kind of go under the radar too because slave vessels were all over the place. No one really thinks, oh, you know, they're going to be flying the black flag sometime soon. Like, no, they're they're commerce. They're trying to sell people. I think also another really interesting point was uh, Black Sam. Now Sam was not black, but that they called him Black Sam, whatever. But anyway, he had a really interesting tactic to take ships. Where he would have him and his whole crew would get naked and then board the pirate vessel. And no one wants to wrestle or fight with a naked pirate. Yeah, they were they were all... They all had their swords out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice one. Thank you. There's a lot of characters. You have to... Ha- I highly recommend, if you don't watch it all at once, to definitely watch the recap. Simply because it just kind of nicely packages up some of the characters. Mm-hmm. And then around that, even though it has the whole thing reenacted kind of as it happened in history, stylized, of course, but it's essentially what happened. They also have real-life historians, authors, pirate aficionados. They all come in and tell their stories from a historical standpoint so that it gives context to the reenactment, you know? Side note, if I was a historian, I would definitely want to be a pirate historian. Pirates is kind of something we're really into. No, your things is like pirates, supernatural, Egyptians. like murder. I mean, those things are all kind of related, if you think about it. Like, Egyptians, pirates, they were all kind of like interesting murder and death things. And they make for really good stories. Like, that's that's the thing is, even though there's historical context to it all, you can create so many cool stories with pirates and aliens and shit like that. I also really liked the story that it told about Anne Bonny. Mm. Like she had such a tragic life, but then she became a pirate, and still she, tragic. But yeah, uh, she was one of the only ones that had a happy ending. Also, how did you feel about the treatment for syphilis back in the day? Okay, so what they do, like obviously they didn't have a lot of options. There wasn't like penicillin or injections or whatever. And so one thing that they saw that kind of helped was mercury. Yeah, because I mean mercury. <laughs> kills everything yeah anything it touches and i mean also it'll give you mercury poisoning right and it'll like rot your brain out and so one thing is you can't just like take a mercury capsule and it'll spread evenly throughout the body it's very localized and so they put mercury in a syringe and shot it straight up this man's inflamed urethra of syphilis all the way up into the bladder and it essentially killed all of his nerve endings and all of his entire male area and I mean, it, it may, no, and it shows it. Like the thing is, is like this. This show definitely has nudity and sex and things, and it shows things, <laughs> the not good things. You were traumatized. I didn't want to watch. It was bad. Now think how bad syphilis must hurt at this stage for him to be like, I would rather have mercury shoved up my penis. That must hurt pretty bad. Yeah. So syphilis he, must. He be looked even like worse. he was in pain. 
And this is a guy who like lights firecrackers in his beard for fun. Like this is this is a hard motherfucker. He's just like, yeah, I can't handle it anymore. And it's believed that uh, the syphilis is probably what caused like the vast change in his personality from Edward Thatch to uh, Blackbeard. That in and of itself probably ate some holes in his brain. Because that's kind of what syphilis does, is it, it eats holes in your organs and your brain. And yeah, whatnot. and it, it eats away at, like, the soft tissue, so, like, some people lose their noses or ears or extremities or their penises. I'm surprised that, that that's not, like, the number one symptom, that your just penis falls off, you know? Now, that is a deterrent. If I've ever seen it, like, you're in sex ed class and they're like, well, you could die. I'm sorry, but I'm more scared of penis falling off than death. Well, yeah, because if you're dead, like, what are you going to do? But if, like... Your limbs and stuff fall, start falling off. Like, that in and of itself sounds horribly traumatic. But overall, a really fun show for people who like documentaries, but with a spin. And it's definitely great for people who love pirates like us. If you've ever been interested in learning about real pirates and, like, some of the basis for, like, movies like Pirates of the Caribbean, this is a really great... I, I felt like this was better than some of the drier pirate stuff. Like, the reenactment definitely helped, and even though some of that's obviously dramatized, it really helped bring home, like, what pirate life was actually like, and the interesting parts versus the, like, just overall tragedy. We went to Nassau for our honeymoon. That was one of the stops we made. And we visited the Pirate Museum. And it was great, and this just kind of, like, makes it more real. Like, you can see pictures and documents and hear stories, but seeing it play out really does make a difference to how you absorb that knowledge. Kudos to them for actually putting it out there. I know, after that, I kind of want to go back to Nassau and see some more stuff, right? No, I just want to go back to the Pirate House in South Carolina. Was Georgia. It, it was Savannah, wasn't it? There's a really great restaurant in Savannah. really like it. We've been a couple times. It's called the Pirate House. They have like 100 types of rum and a really big gift shop. And basically, there's this like tunnel where men used to get kidnapped and forced into piracy. It's fascinating. Savannah has a lot of pirate history as well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, fascinating, let's talk about something else that's fascinating. Uh, there were two shows that came on, and they just started in the last couple of weeks, and those were Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+, and Invincible on Amazon Prime, based on the famous comic by Robert Kirkman. Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's start with Invincible. Okay. We, we can end on your boy, Bucky. I love Bucky. So, Invincible, I have never read it, have, and, and you've read some of it. I've read the first maybe 16 to 20 issues. I haven't finished the first compendium, but I have read some of it, and it's very good. I can't imagine how far the first season will go into the issues itself. But basically, it's the story of this kid whose dad is Om Omega Man? Omni-Man. Omni-Man. That's very close. I, I don't know all the names yet. We'll get there. I can help you out on that. His dad essentially sort of works with this team of heroes, but sort of not. Um, but pretty quickly, spoiler alert, th these reviews will both be spoiler heavy for the first three episodes of Invincible and the first two of uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, so, um, you know, listener beware. Go watch them and come back. If you haven't already, but really, who hasn't seen them? The team is murdered by mm -hmm. Omni-Man. It's rather a question of, did Omni-Man do it on purpose, or was he brainwashed? Right, because you see him at home and being himself. He seems like a really nice, well-grounded guy. Just your average superhero character. And right. then he goes off on a murder rampage, and you're like, yeah, something doesn't sit right there. It seems off. It's very different. 
Um, and so because of that, they need a new superhero team. And they ask Invincible, because that's his name, that's the name he comes up with after he gets his powers. Mm-hmm. And the first episode kind of deals with Mark getting his powers and dealing with the whole, my dad is a superhero thing. He teams up with a, I, I don't remember, what was the name they're, of their they're team? They're the team team. The team team. And there's like, Robot Man. There's Robot. Oh, just Robot. Robot. Robot Man is in Doom Patrol. That's Sorry. a different show. I'm, I told you, I'm working on the okay. names. The names are Robot, Duplicate, Rexplosion, Atom Eve, and Invincible pairs teams up. I felt like there was another member, but I could be wrong. Well, I mean, later we... We, we meet others. We meet other people. And especially, like, in the grand scheme of things, there's a lot of different heroes that come in. Mainly, there are seven heroes that you see some insight in for the Guardians team. I think it's the Guardians or something yeah. similar to that. There's a lot of characters introduced in the first couple episodes, so it's quite a bit to really just deal with, you know? Right, and even though it's Mark's story, they do dive into a lot of subplots and things that are going on. This is an animated series, and it is strongly based on the art style from Invincible. I mean, looking at a comic book, it looks just like it mm -hmm. to me. It is almost a replication. Beautiful. I wouldn't be surprised if the art director wasn't the artist on the book. But basically, there's these aliens that keep coming back. They're trying to defeat them, um, but the aliens kind of have like this... Their world time is different. Mm -hmm. So chronologically, when they come to our world, they age much, much faster on a biological level. And so that kind of helps. And really, it's all about Invincible deciding whether he wants to work with the new team. Because they ask Robot to head up a completely new team cause to replace the old team. People audition, and that's when we start meeting. We just recently met in the last episode some of the new members. Mm -hmm. We meet Monster Girl, and we meet... I, I forget his name, but he's he's kind of a, a strong black hero. He was a member of one of the old teams, and he wants to be in charge. We, we just met these characters. Right, it's so. just at the end of episode three that we're seeing all this. And there was one more new character. Alan the Alien. Was that it? No, he's the one out in space that kicks Mark's ass, remember? Oh, yeah. There was a lot of new characters introduced in three episodes for, for me to remember. Right. I mean, I'll get there. It's a lot. Like, obviously, when you go into, like, something like Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, you know some of these characters already. So it's a lot less daunting to be introduced to new characters. Well, this was the kind of... I, and I'm not saying it's bad. I, I'm glad that there's a lot of characters. I just feel like for us to remember that, that many characters right off the bat is a little bit much. But, well, I mean, us, meaning you, because I've already been introduced uh, to the characters. I, I'm talking about people that have never read the comics. General like a, audience. Uh, yes. Gotcha. But I think that's okay, because as the show goes on, they all have very unique looks and powers, so it'll be much easier to recognize them as the show goes on. Right, because right now the main characters that you have to know about are Invincible are... and Adam Eve. And Omni-Man. Omni I am really excited to see where this show goes. For now, I'm interested, but I, d I think it'll play well for a general audience. It kind of feels a lot like something like the original Teen Titans or the cartoon one, obviously. Yeah, no, but something like that meets the boys. Like, it is, right. it is very adult. There is gore and swearing and sex. Not... Not graphic sex, but definitely it talks about it. And But a lot of the characters are on the younger side. Not necessarily all teens, but definitely uh, between like 16 to like 20-something. Yeah. I feel really bad for Monster Girl. Like, her power, every time she turns into a monster, de-ages her a little. 
I was like, well, maybe she should go spend a little time in that, like, alien planet and age a little. Omni-Man went over to that world at the end of the episode, and he's, like, really messing stuff up. And he's like, you can't conquer this world. It's mine. And you're like, oh, damn, what's going on? Is is Omni-Man, like... So you really start to get... Crazy? Kind of get the feeling that... I don't think Omni-Man is brainwashed. Like, it, you know, like, as a general... Obviously, you know more than I do. But as oh, a, yeah, I know how this ends, for as sure. As a general audience, <laughs> it kind of starts to show, like, that Omni-Man isn't all there. He seems super disappointed that his son gets powers, but I almost think that's because he doesn't want his son to have powers. Yeah. He was hoping he wouldn't have to destroy his son. But it certainly seems like he will be just trying to destroy him. Right, because if you're... Earth's sole hero, so to speak. If you're the only one there who has the power to make or break it, and your end goal is to break it, then eliminating the competition is your number one goal, right? And if your son, you know, is going to be as strong and fast and powerful as you are... You gotta get get him before he gets too strong. Yeah, it kind of makes it difficult for you as a dad. Well, he punches him really hard in the first episode they they train. Yeah. He's like, oh, I didn't mean to punch you that hard, but I 100% think he did. Just look, to show him look, who's boss. Looking back at it, I'm like, ugh. Yeah, I definitely think he did. I'm interested to see where this show goes. There's not a lot I feel like I have to say about it yet, because I feel like these three episodes were really just one long introduction mm-hmm. to a bunch of new characters, in my in my opinion. No, like, but for, for me, like, the art style, I feel like it's kind of comic booky in that the characters aren't super-duper dynamic and, like, drawn into the scene, but rather they're almost, like, pasted on top of the scene. And their motions seem a little bit more blocky. I like the way the art is. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really good. Um, and it tells the story. I think it's better than just like a basic cartoon. And it kind of does definitely does, does lean into that comic book feel. Which is good. It's good for this sort of story. And I think the voice actors are just going to be phenomenal. All star cast. Right? You like, have Stephen Yun. You have uh, Sandra Oh. J.K. Simmons is Omni-Man. Mm-hmm. You have Jillian Jacobs is Adam Eve. And uh, Jason Mat- Matsusuko. Sure. I, I forget how to say his last name. But He's from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. That dude. And The Good Place. Very funny guy. He's Rexplode. And uh, Seth Rogen is Alan the Alien. Yeah, and can I just say, I've read several issues of it, and Alan the Alien does pop up a few times, and he is probably one of my favorite side characters. I would assume so. I would assume they would not cast Seth Rogen to just be a one-off character. No, but I mean just like as a side character that kind of reoccurs. Would be really fun. Alan is one of my favorites, for sure. Um, and then uh, Zachary Quinto, I think, does Robot. Yes, and um, he plays it so well. And then Zazie Beetz does the like love interest. Now, mm-hmm. she doesn't have any powers. Her name is Amber, and, well, I don't know. Maybe she does. But as far as we know, she does not have any powers. I'm assuming maybe maybe later. There's a lot. Like I said, these three episodes were really just an introduction to this world, to who the characters are, to what our motivation is going to be going forward. And so really, there's not a whole lot of real, real story given in these. It's really just an introduction to what is going on. Right. It's kind of like a, a prologue almost. A very long prologue. Right. It's like a, I mean, it's like an origin movie, but... And I, considering the length of these episodes were like 40 minutes a piece. Yeah, it's about the length of a, an origin movie. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to see what they do with it. I think it's going to be really good. Um, I would definitely check this out. If you if you like the comic, if you didn't like the comic, if you just really like cartoon... I, I'm normally not one that's watching cartoon superheroes. 
I don't really care that much about cartoon superhero shows. They're not usually that exciting to me. But this was really good. Yeah. I liked the real world aspects of it where it felt like there were real consequences for their actions. Yeah, if you mess up, people people will die. And it's gruesome. And you feel personally responsible for it. But I liked that this showed real consequences to their actions. To his not being very good with his powers yet. Yeah, and Mark definitely does not have flight down at the beginning. No, he cannot land. With both Invincible and Falcon and Winter Soldier, I will say that we are going to talk about it on the next episode. And we should be finished with both of them by uh, then. Falcon and Winter Soldier should be done. Invincible might have one more episode that's mm-hmm. going to be coming out after the I'm next... I'm not sure it's the next schedule, it's release schedule. Because I don't know how many episodes are coming out. I think out. it's an eight episode, which means that if it comes out every Thursday or Friday... Well, there's five Fridays this month, so... Right, and so depending on when we film... Or record, rather. Yeah, we'll let you know. Well, we may be able to do the the end of both. But finally, Falcon and Winter Soldier has been long awaited by Brittany, especially. Since last year, it was supposed to come out in the fall, but I'm due to the so COVID... so disappointing. I know, and everything got pushed back, including WandaVision. And Falcon and the Winter Soldier is one of those things where, even though Steve Rogers isn't in it, you get Bucky, you get Falcon. You get Captain America, I guess. Yeah, let's talk about Captain America. All right. I, Spoilers. I, just start off with, I was not that excited about WandaVision because I didn't care that much about Wanda or Vision. Mm-hmm. But after watching it, I really liked them as characters. Now imagine going into this where I already am like, I love Bucky, you know, and I, I do also really enjoy Falcon quite a bit. Bucky just touches my heart. You, don't don't come at me. I know he's an assassin, but he's just a little bit bunny. You got to protect him. He's yeah. broken. He is definitely broken. And I love how the show is touching on that. He's going to therapy, even though he's kind of combative with his therapist. Uh, fair enough. But not like his normal combativeness. Like, he, he's, he's more like resentful. Her. Yeah. He doesn't like that she writes things down in his notebook if he feels personally attacked. Um, Meanwhile, Falcon, he's trying to get his, his family's boat back from the bank. Like, trying to get a loan to try to bring it back to its old glory. And based on them being blipped and him being black, they just will not get a loan from the bank. And they don't don't have money after they came back. And apparently Tony Stark just didn't be paying people. Like, I'm sorry. Somebody should have been paying them, even just for part of the time. There was a whole time where Falcon and Steve and stuff were all training as an Avengers team. I know that they were fugitives for a couple years, but they were at least two years where they were training as a team and they were at a big facility and doing missions and I'm all sure this stuff. I'm sure they had a swimming pool there. Uh, they weren't getting any kind of money. I feel like the government should have been giving them something or some organization. At least when they were working with Shield, right? Something. Something. Falcon really came in after they left Shield, though. True. But still, at the end of that move of of Age of Ultron, they're all training as like a team. So. They weren't getting paid for that? No, it's volunteer work. Save, save the world, get a free meal. I think my favorite part of the series is how, so far is how they're dealing with racism. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're doing a really great job. We have dealt with Falcon being prejudiced against, like being not being able to get the loan, despite the fact that he has government contracts. He has proof of upcoming income, and yet... He can't get a loan despite the fact that his family is banked with this bank for years. Yeah, and on top of that, he gets uh, he gets profiled by the police. 
He nearly gets arrested because of an altercation he has with Bucky. He's not even, they're not even fighting. Right, they're, they're just in each other's face. They're yelling at each other. And if they knew anything about these two people, Bucky has the upper hand here. And at, and at the end of that interaction, we actually find out that Bucky actually has a warrant out for his arrest for missing his therapy. Boo. Yeah. That therapist is a snitch. But we also get to see not only the racism toward Falcon, but American racism. We get introduced to a character named Isaiah Bradley, who, unbeknownst to Falcon, or really Captain America, he was a Captain America figure in the 50s. And then they claim... Now, we don't know this in the show, but in the comics, they claimed he stole Captain America's uniform and, and moniker, and so they arrested him for that. Yeah, he, but he We was, do know he's in he's been in prison. Yeah, but he was experimented on with, like, super soldier-type serums. Right. And so he became a super soldier of sorts, but if you're a black man in the 50s and you have super strength, you're a very dangerous individual. And they treated him like he was a criminal, even though he did nothing wrong. And then there's also, Rhodey kind of touches on, uh, not real obvious, but when there's an interaction between Rhodey and Sam that makes it very clear that their white counterparts are gone. And Rhodey and Sam both know that this is going to be much harder for them now that they're no longer, quote unquote, sidekicks. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a really cute little scene with a kid and he's like, it's the Black Falcon. And he's like, nah, it's just Falcon. And he's like, well... My dad says you're the Black Falcon. He's like, is it because I'm black? Because there's no other Falcon. And, and it really plays into the idea of comic book calling everyone black when they're black. There was like the Black Goliath, Black Panther. Yeah, uh, like all Black kinds Lightning. Of, yeah, it was just all kinds of like unnecessariness. Mm -hmm. But then again, you also had characters like Red Wolf, who was a Native American. That's, That's neither here nor there. Mm. That character's not in the MCU, so we can't... Yet. Yet. It's possible. It could happen. Well, we will get there when we get there, won't okay. we? Well, the basic story of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is Falcon, he was given the shield at the end of Endgame, and he was essentially given the mantle of Captain America. But after a long time, you know, contemplating and reflecting on it, he's like, mm, no, there's one Captain America, and I ain't it. So I'm going to donate the shield to a museum and let that mantle be just that, a symbol of an, a foregone era. I think he kind of felt that as a black man that no one would ever accept him in that role. And that's true too, especially seeing what happened with Isaiah Bradley. And so what does the government do? Do they keep the shield locked away in this beautiful museum? No. They take it out and immediately give it to some mediocre white boy who doesn't have no power. No, it's, it's not that he's mediocre. He is. No, he's not mediocre. He's done a lot of tours for the government. He's passed all their tests. He's very... Look he's, at his face. But he's very capable in everything that he does. But, even then, he's still just a normal guy. He has some anger issues, I think, underneath. I think you'd have to be to be a member of the military. I mean, but Steve didn't. That's because he was the exception, not the rule. Sam that's the, didn't. That's the whole reason why he got the, the super soldier serum, though. Well, does Rhodey have anger issues? They're all members of the, I the mean, military. I mean, sometimes. <laughs> but not the same. I'm talking about deep-seated, like, secretly beat your wife yeah. anger. He, he he definitely has wife beater uh, vibes. Or, like, secret society kind of vibes. And he's got this sidekick named Battlestar. Battlestar Galactica. What the hell is... I, I understand that's his name in the comics. But why is this his name? What, what is Battlestar? Like, he don't have no powers either. And it also plays into the idea of the black sidekick. 
It right? definitely does. Like, you had Falcon, and he worked alongside Captain America when he was introduced in the 70s. It really was kind of like a, a buddy thing where Falcon would go and help Captain America sometimes. He was the, even though he was on character, he was the black sidekick. And we see that a lot. And so the fact that the government's like, give him a black sidekick. Like, ugh, it hurts. And I even feel like Bucky does not see the racism that Falcon sees. And that that's not Bucky's fault. Listen, Bucky's been in the ice a lot in the last 60, 70 years. Yeah, it's winter privilege. So, <laughs> for him to understand society today is kind of a major deal. Because he doesn't know. He has not lived in society. It's not Falcon's fault that Bucky doesn't understand. But He, he just kind of totally skipped the civil rights movement. Yeah, we also have to kind of give Bucky a sort of pass as... He has really not integrated back into society very well as he's been an assassin for the last 60 years. And so he's too caught up in his own stuff. Speaking of being caught up in his own stuff, can we just say how tragic it is that he's trying to right the wrongs that he's made throughout his life? Bucky's making me sad every week. It is week. so sad seeing this. He broke my heart in both episodes. Mm-hmm. In the first episode, we find out him hanging out with this old, like, World War II veteran guy. Yeah, now, I thought they might be friends from the war or someone that they met a long time or ago. Or even just an old guy that he relates to. And then Maybe it, one of the Howling Commandos. We don't know. Right. Right? Turns out, no, this is someone that Bucky killed his son. And he was, and the son wasn't even involved in anything bad. He was just there. a, he was a bystander. And Bucky is trying to make amends for this, and he just does not know how to tell this old man he killed his son. Yeah. And it is so tragic. And then in the second episode, there is a scene where Sam and and Bucky do some therapy together, and Bucky's like, well, if Steve was wrong about you, then that he's wrong about me. And I just, like, it cracked my little heart in two for him, Mm -hmm. because you can just see the anguish and grief on his face. His best friend is gone, and he is just worried that... Even though his best friend did all this stuff to save him, he's not worth it. As the overarching plot, there's a group called the Flag Smashers, and they're trying to break down borders because when the blip happened, people came together and they kind of operated as one world. And so when everyone came back, it became more segmented and segregated based on nation, nationality, people. And so things were getting back to the way they were before, and they don't want that. They kind of have a super soldier thing going on with them. We don't really know for sure. But... I know in the comics there was a man that headed up the the Battle Smashers. Or the Battle Smashers. What are they called? The Flag Smashers. The Flag Smashers. They, they did gender swap the leader, which I don't mind because there's not enough female characters. And yeah. it, it doesn't really affect anything. No, she's, she's badass. In the comics, they have these suits that kind of are like, make them super soldiers, but they're just suits. So we don't really know why that they're, but they definitely seem like super soldiers, for sure. But are they genetically modified? Is there some kind of tech? Like, what is going on here to make them super, like, and I'm sorry, but John Walker, uh, aka new Captain America, is about to get his ass handed to him. Yeah, and we can we can kind of see that his character arc is going to get really dark really fast. We we already see it coming a mile away. Well, yeah, you see him in the second at the end of the second episode turn really bad when Falcon and, and Bucky are just like, "Nah, we're not going to work with you." He's like, "Don't get in my way." Yeah, and he turns real mean real fast. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's about to go down. He's about to be U.S. agent by episode three, like the end of the end of episode three. End of episode three, yeah, it'll it'll start looking pretty bad. But so we're gonna have several different types of antagonists. We're about to meet back up with uh, Baron Zemo. Hopefully, he gets his purple mask on really quick. We're still not gonna see Pace Pop Pete. Peace Pop Pete, gang, come on, rally. Who who is he a villain to though? I, I don't know. I thought it was Fantastic Four. I don't Maybe, know. Maybe, you, you know how... No. Listen, listen. Mm. You know how in um, for Danny Phantom, they had his first ghost was the box ghost? I am the box ghost! Yeah. What if they have Fantastic Four and they start, like, getting their powers and then there's Pace Pot Pete have, like, a kind of a battle and he just hands their ass to them? Because they don't know nothing. That'd right. be so funny. That would be so funny. That would be a great, like, It'd be first... hilarious. But you remember in uh, The Incredibles... He was like, I am the Underminer. And you're exactly. like, just like that. It'd be just like that. Um, It'd but, be hilarious. But yeah, like, so we're going to we're gonna have a lot of villains in this show, but it's mainly going to be about uh, Cap and Bucky working together to try Cap? to... Well... New Cap. New... No. Well... Hopefully. Old New Cap. Falcon. Falcap. Um, Sam. Yeah. But they're going to be working together kind of as a buddy cop thing to beat all these different things. U.S. Agent, Flag Smashers, maybe Baron Zemo... As well as Agent Thirteen is probably going to jump in and help them out a bit. So I'm I'm looking really forward to this. So what do you think, prediction wise? How do you think this series is going to end? And where do you think these two heroes are going to be after this? Sad and painful. That's how I it's going to end. That's Bucky's entire existence. Mm-hmm. But... Okay, so I th- I think that uh, Bucky's going to come to a realization that even though S- Sam isn't Steve, he's a much better man for the job than anybody that the the government could choose. See, I think they're kind of going to be Team Captain America, whereas Sam will technically be Captain America. I think Bucky will come out with a new moniker, whether that's uh, White Wolf or not, I don't know. But they kind of joked about that a little bit in the second yeah, episode. Yeah, but they, they could still, they could just call him Bucky. He doesn't have to go by anything that Hydra gave them. They gotta have a name. I just don't think by the end of it, Winter Soldier will fit him anymore. They call know? him Steel Biceps. No, no, he just has one middle arm. Steel bicep. I think it'll be really interesting to see what name they end up having him be by the end of the show. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe why they're saying there's no second season of, of any of these shows. Because maybe the second season won't be Falcon and Winter Soldier, but Captain America and White Wolf. Or, you know? So, something like that. I, I can't wait to see Sharon Carter again. Uh, she has not popped up yet. She will. And we obviously know that she's kind of been hiding a little bit, at least. If there is not a scene where Ebony and Ivory plays in the background, I'll be super disappointed. They are the new Sean and Gus. They are. Only they are... No, the action in this is phenomenal. It's like Psych meets super action thriller. The fight scenes are phenomenal. Sean and Gus had superpowers. This is what the show would be. But Falcon's flight is amazing. Bucky's fight scenes are really cool. Also, I like that Bucky's not perfect. I like that Bucky just kind of, uh, he jumps out of a plane and he, you're like, ah, oh, he's going to land all cool. Nah, he just like puts his arm out and just like falls Crashes right, through trees. Right, right through the trees. And you're just like, the hell. No wonder you survived when you fell off that fucking train. That's exactly what he probably did too. He was like, and that's why his arm came off. Right. But metal arms are a little bit more resilient. Especially when they're made out of vibranium. I like also how he just rips his sleeve off. Just like, nah, the sleeve will get in the way. Rip. Everyone needs to look at my my CGI arm. 
They're like, we spent a lot of money on that CGI arm, you know? Yeah, for sure. But overall, it's a really great first two episodes, and I look forward to the next four. And hopefully we don't get super duper spoiled on the Twitter machine. Well, this week we won't. Yeah, because Good Friday. Well, when when this episode is coming out, you guys will already know. Right, and so, a preemptive Happy Easter to all who celebrate, and those who don't, uh, enjoy some deviled eggs, I guess. Don't you think everybody at least celebrates some form of Easter, even if it's simply just consuming large amounts of chocolate Reese eggs? Maybe. Because that's kind of what we do. The pagans are out there celebrating the real Easter. We were into it before it was cool. No, what you do is you go the day after Easter and just buy it all on 50% off. Because who wants to eat a giant bunny for May? That's so stupid. You know what we should do? We should post a video. Every year we do a cute little Easter egg hunt for our dogs. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, in various success, can pop eggs open to get treats out of them. We have one that is very, very talented at it, but she, however, this year is a little crippled due to a leg injury. Yeah. So we'll see how well she does. But we might post a video of that. It might be really fun. Uh, Yeah, I think y'all would really enjoy that. It's a really cute little activity. Well, that pretty much wraps up all the shows that we had for this Couch Potato episode. Between Mormons and aliens and pirates and superheroes, we kind of covered it all. Follow us on all forms of social media, uh, Real Romance UCPN. Real Romance on TikTok and Instagram. Mm-hmm. We Don't also have a Facebook page. Uh, RealRomancePod at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us personally, Brittany is at BookNerd528 on Instagram. I'm at BanfigBob on Twitter. And overall, we are just awesome in general. Follow Undercover Capes Podcast Network and Comic Crusaders for all of your fun reading, listening, enjoyment uh, needs. And I hope you guys checked out that uh, Justice League podcast we did on Sunday. Yeah, uh, it was hosted by the International Comics Crusaders. And it was a nice, long, two-hour podcast talking all about the Snyder Cut and people's various opinions of what went right, what went wrong, and what they could have done better. First of all, you could cut out like 45 minutes of the motherfucker. That way it's a manageable watching experience and you don't have to like have two bathroom breaks and a lunch break to finish the whole Snyder Cut. Zack Snyder really just indulged himself when he made that and i think we should leave it at that that bitch extra all right well hope you guys tune in next time and what what is the next episode is it going to be another uh, uh theme mini in two weeks theme mini so not not about the movies we're not going to talk about kong or anything until the end of the month no we're going to do a oscar themed theme mini mm-hmm. in two weeks where we talk about various uh films that were nominated for oscars and what makes an oscar film the next week yeah. so uh there's plenty of content and we love sharing it with you here on the best movie podcast on the undercover case podcast network real romance i'm robert this has been Brittany. remember to keep it real bye bye everybody thank you for listening to this episode of real romance season three remember to follow us on all of our social media accounts and our affiliates at undercover case podcast network and comic crusaders